And good morning, everyone. Welcome to Sister to Sister. This is a broadcast where we simply share experiences of what it's like to be, to be a Black person in America. And I'm excited to have today with me as my guest an amazing woman. I'm Trish Carr, and I'm one of the founders of Women's Prosperity Network. And our goal is to simply shed a light, turn the, the flashlight on so that those of us who don't see can see. Because the more we have conversation, the more we talk to each other, the more we learn from each other. You know, we can talk about all the hyperbole and what's going on and protests and whether you think it's right or wrong or good or bad. It all comes down to the individual and how we are with each other. And that's what this broadcast is about. So let me introduce you to my amazing guest today, Dr. Heather Tucker is the founder and CEO of Another Level Living Incorporated, which is a professional training and coaching company. She is a master life harmony coach, speaker, and trainer. And her mission is to guide business leaders to achieving their work-life harmony. Those of you who are in business or in professions, you know work-life harmony is something that we're always working on. And that really creates optimal prosperity and abundance. She uses easy strategies to support her clients in stressing less, yay, increasing energy and strengthening relationships in order to achieve victory and success in, and success in life in all areas. She's also a certified, uh, she also, this is one of the things she does that's really cool, is she certifies life coaches. So the people that work with other people, Dr. Heather has the background, the experience, the education to equip them with the skills so that they can work with us as individuals so that we can reach success. Um, she's certified over 350, and I know it's more than that, uh, life coaches to date. Her primary areas of expertise are business building, digital marketing, authentic leadership, relationships, emotional intelligence, and PTSD, which many of you are familiar of, is post-traumatic stress disorder. She has more than 17 years of higher education teaching and research experience, as well as a natural gift for easily working with others. She received her PhD and master's in information technology and in human computer interaction from the University of Maryland, Baltimore. She's also got a BS in computer science from University of Maryland Eastern Shore, and her work has been published in many peer-reviewed journals, conference proceedings, and books. She is a learned woman. She is an, uh, an, a, uh, a woman who is perceptive. She is an EQ expert about emotional intelligence. I'm so excited to have you here. Welcome, Dr. Heather, thanks for being thank with me you. this morning. Thank you so much, Trish, for having me. Wow, as you read that, I'm like, wow, there's a lot that I've done within my life. I and know. That's pretty cool. <laughs> I know, you are. And you know, your mother of two amazing children as well, and the wife of a fantastic husband, uh, military vet as well, which I know is part of your experience with PTSD and learning as much as you did about it. So, yes, you know, you're balancing absolutely. a busy life. You know, being a full-time business owner, full-time mom, and full-time wife. 
So thanks a lot for being here today. Oh, it's I know, absolutely my pleasure. Thank you. And I know me. people are going to learn from your experience. So let me just turn it over to you, Dr. Heather. You've been black all your life? All my life. <laughs> That's what I thought. <laughs> That's what I thought. Well, and, and I'll tell you that it is something that like racism and colorism is something that kids aren't born with. This is something that is taught. This is something where it impacts a kid even as early as they're able to, you know, be aware of what's going on. And what we're experiencing in this country and that we've experienced for so long is visual discrimination. Like how to discriminate against someone by just looking at or just having a perception of who they are before even getting to know them. We can't really judge a book by its cover. And this, um, everything that's happening is very near and dear to me for several reasons. I, I wanna start off with um, my journey of when I was a kid and when I first realized that racism was real. My grandfather was murdered when I was five years old. He was a very successful entrepreneur. He sold tires and um, coal and was a really uh, amazing leader for his family. And he was tall, dark, and handsome. And when he was murdered, it was as if he was just another black man dead. And there was no really true desire to be able to go and find out who killed him. And at that time, um, it's almost like there was so much of a shock to the family that we didn't even know how to respond. And so we, if this is what you're dealing with now is actually a generational thing because in, within the community, especially the minority community who has been having these issues where people end up dead, they're missing or um, who knows what happens to them and everybody's supposed to just cope and move on. Yeah. And they don't, and there's not a conversation about it because the goal is to be able to survive. It's like creating a living in survival mode. And what I said to myself when this happened was be careful not to put yourself out there because something could happen to you. And as I think as going on this journey of entrepreneurship, all of that stuff came up because our businesses are a representation of us. There was a movie that's out right now. If you have not seen it, it's called Just Mercy. Mm. And it was, a, this, it was an entrepreneur, black entrepreneur, gets pulled over and accused and all of a sudden is on death row. There's a history within this country of black people actually going and having successful businesses only for them to get burned down or torn apart or um, so many other things. So you have missing people, and especially this target on black males. I'm married to an amazing, tall, dark, and handsome man. And I'm uh, the mother of another amazing, tall, dark, and handsome man who's going to be growing up. The racism that we experienced in Florida was the exact reason why we left. Because I didn't even feel comfortable with my husband going to the grocery store, especially when he was at the height of his... Um, uh, post-traumatic stress and going through. So a lot of times people don't necessarily understand that. You, you moved from central Florida, right? To the Tidewater, Virginia area? Yes. Are you finding it different in 
where you are now? Absolutely. Absolutely. In terms of, um, I'm, I'm back home and this is a rural area. And one of the things that, there's a difference between the North and the South and how they, how black people are portrayed. And like, I remember we were, we went to church one day and I'm, I'm a greeter. My husband's sitting, goes and sits down next to me. And there's a lady, an older white lady, and she clutches her purse. We're in church. What in the world? And of course, how does that make someone feel? Right? So you, so a friend of mine, she told me one time, she said, Heather, she was a fellow light-skinned black girl. She said, I feel like we are designed to hate ourselves because not only is there colorism, but a uh, racism, but there's also colorism within the race. Right. So culturally, we've created this light is better right. versus black or dark. And, and then that creates even more chaos within the race. And all of this is all in our mind is biases is by these things that we, we perceive to be true. And it, it, there's no such thing as the white race or the black race that too is in our minds. There are people who came from Germany, Ireland, parts of Africa, parts of the Middle East. The whole white thing is a made-up thing. The whole black thing is a made-up thing. Exactly. Yeah, I, I love that you mentioned something about colorism within the race because a lot of the pushback, sometimes I'll get pushback on, you know, I've chosen to speak up and speak out about racism because... I know I don't get it. I wake up white every single day. So I can't possibly understand what it's like to walk in someone else's shoes who's not white. So I'm, I'm on a mission to learn as much as I can, but the pushback that I get is, well, black people treat each other differently just based on the color. If you're light-skinned, you're treated differently than, than black-skinned. And the other thing is, uh, um, you may have seen the documentary 13th mm -hmm. um, on Netflix, and it's about how black men have ended up in jail over the last 35, 40 years. How we as a culture have demonized black men to the point where you're more likely, I think one in three black men is likely to go to jail, where it's one in 17 white men. And you can't tell me that black people have more crime. It's just not true. But anyway, in that movie, there's even a perception within the black community that more black men deserve to be in jail, just like within the white community, that more, it's like, it, it's pervasive. So, you know, how do you even fight that within your own community? How do you deal with that? Being a, a light-skinned black woman. So here is uh yes you're absolutely right in regards to um the reality is black men are targeted like whether people want to say that or not um my husband even tells me stories of how the police harass them when he's 15 even how we get pulled over by cops is ridiculous like it could be one part one cop that actually treats you with respect and another one that is totally like trying to egg you on to start something yeah um and it's almost like in that movie just mercy he says you're guilty before you're even born yeah and 
go ahead. No, no, go ahead. You're right. Keep going. Well, well, and and the thing is, it's our emotions and the trauma that everything that we've experienced, even from generations, it gets passed down. Sometimes this is what leads to a lot of the mental and emotional difficulties within the community because we're trying to stay focused on making sure that we provide, but yet there's a lot of mental and emotional stuff that we can't really process. So how do we come together? It's about overcoming our, even our own biases and also the self-hatred that it creates. So people, what did, what did Martin Luther King say? Like, um, hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. Well, the reality is the, when we, there's self-hatred or self-destruction, even within it gets projected out to be able to hate other people. Yeah. And that's yeah, one of the one of the biggest things is um you know I always hear people say well just pull up your big girl panties and everybody gets you know discriminated against one way or another and I've worked really hard for what I needed I worked three jobs and I worked my way up the ladder but we don't have the baggage we don't have the stories that have been handed down we don't have the pictures of our great grandfathers being hung from trees so for us to be able to understand that, for us to say things like pull up your big girl panties, I just want to slap people because they don't understand the kind of internal dialogue you must be having. Well, so here's the thing. It's about healing that internal dialogue. Like it's, a, it's really, um, so my, talk about the generational, generational um, issues that happen. My, grandma my great grandmother first women is we don't really necessarily talk about black men but there's a lot of oppression when it comes to even minority women and then their value and then the, what they're perceived you know we see that in that in the, the um not the lack of attention or difficulty with brianna taylor and say her name and um okay so going back to what i was saying my grandmother great grandmother she had three girls one of them had a mental problem my grandmother had three girls one of them had a mental problem Mm. my mother had three girls and i told her what the other day what she didn't realize is one of them had a mental problem and i'm talking about me and really it's about the emotional the emotional it's not necessarily a lot of times we think it's a mental problem it's really an emotional one so we were taught and a majority of um, the minority population is taught, like, put your feelings in your pocket and keep going. You cannot, um, you don't have time to really wallow in your feelings. So how to be able to resolve that? How did um, I heal that? Was because resolving that internal dialogue. When there's no conflict within, the enemy without can't touch you. Mm. And this is why it's important for really everyone to be able to resolve whatever's going on, even internally, step into that personal power. So therefore we can come together in a place of unity and love and aloha and become united. Yeah, love really is the answer. And I know people think, oh, we're just gonna hold hands and sing Kumbaya. No, it's about coming from a space of open-heartedness, 
a place of I'm a human, you're a human, we have so much in common. And right now we're so divided in so many areas in our country and this race is simply just one more. You know, last week you and I were talking and um, one of the things that recently happened was the president um, stopped diversity training for federal employees because he believes that this, the idea of white privilege is anti-American and divisive. So you used to work for the federal government. When we were talking about that, you said one of the reasons you left the federal government was because of how racism was prevalent there. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, and um, yes, absolutely. And so I just wanted to, to say that it is a lot of that not knowing, like you mentioned before, like a lot of people who haven't experienced it, they just don't know. And there's a lot of people that say, oh, affirmative action is not needed anymore. But it's really difficult sometimes, especially when you're the only one, or there's maybe a few people who look like you within an organization. And it's really about the perceptions and the judgments that happened, not just necessarily within, I, I saw that within both jobs. I worked for the Social Security Administration and the Army Research Laboratory. And it was really about the culture, even in military, is to tear down people instead of build them up. That's just the culture. I mean, boot right. camp and everything like that. And for me, it was really hard to be in that environment where you felt like no one cared. You felt like um, no one really understood what was going on and no one desired. It was almost like um, sometimes competition. And in that regard, there's a power in being able to work together to understand the differences. Like diversity training is so very important. Because a lot of times people are going through stuff that they don't, people don't even know what they're going through. And so to the, the president, I guess, is saying diversity training is not needed. That is so far from the truth. It's actually needed now more than ever. Because in order to understand where we're going, especially when we're trying to achieve something, we have to be able to understand where we've been, how it's impacting us now, and how to be able to move forward. Yes, exactly. And without that, it's just another open wound, another thing that's just swept under the carpet. Exactly. So you, so what happens is you have a lot of people leaving, not just um, the government, but also corporate America, and they wonder why people leave. People leave because they're, they don't feel appreciated. They don't feel supported. And support is not just from the money that comes. It's the overall culture of the organization that will make or break the employee satisfaction. Yeah, yeah. And, and that, that's, right. true, that's true of everyone in corporate America. White, black, yellow, green, everybody dealing with that. But when you're exactly. a person of color, it seems to be exacerbated. You have to work extra hard. You're told that you have to work twice as hard in order to be just good enough. And see what happened was I experienced, um, sometimes what I would experience in previous jobs is maybe I'm a little too good. And then there's, there's some kind of pushback from there. So they wanna keep you in a box. And why try to fit into a box when you were born to stand out? Yes, yes, yes. 
Amen to that, my sister. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing your experience. I, you know, as a, uh, a mother of a young black man, he's seven years old, he'll be a grown up black man. I'm glad that you talked a little bit about, you know, how black men are looked at. There's a man on um, America's Got Talent right now. His name is Archie. I don't remember his last name. And he's a singer. And he was in jail for 37 years for a crime that he didn't commit because they had to get somebody and they found him, a black man, and put him in jail for 37 years and only recently found out from DNA evidence that he was cleared. So I love that you brought up the movie Just Mercy. And I really recommend it to everyone. You can watch a movie. You know, a movie is an easy way for you to see reality and what happens for people. And yeah, we all have our trials and tribulations, but being born black shouldn't be making it harder. And that's all we're saying about the whole com conversation about white people having more opportunity and more privilege than black people. It's the same as male privilege. It exists. Men have a leg up simply because they're a man. Believe me, I used to work in customer service. I can't tell you how many times a person who was irate would say to me, let me speak to a man. Literally say that to me. So these privileges exist. And by pretending they don't, we actually make it worse. So thank you, Heather. I really appreciate Thanks. it. Anything you Thanks. want to share with us before we go? Yeah, there was just one thing, because um, I was asking myself, or as you were talking and as I was listening, it's not, a, we can't control the things, this is the whole core of emotional intelligence. We can't control the things that are happening to us externally. And, and even going back to the experience that I had and the interactions with people, the, one of the, the biggest um, philosophies and assumptions that I operate by is people are just doing the best that they can. So when they learn better, they do better. And this is the reason why you have this platform. And also, it's about creating that awareness. The more that we're able to create that awareness of what's going on, then we can ask, how do we respond? There's a power in our response to it. You saw what was happening out there and you took this action creating sister, sister to respond. And I remember being blown away. Like the whole reason I started my company was because of the Trayvon Martin incident. Like every time that there would be a situation happening, it would take me out of my emotions and I would be paralyzed and frozen and couldn't move forward. Like, why is this happening? Then my response was to create this company and support people in standing into their power because when they stand into their power and they stand into their personal freedom, when we all do that, then we can be able to come together even on more than one accord. So it's about that, so that solution. So I pose to anyone who's listening, what is your response? What are you being called to do? And are you doing it? And if not, do it. Because if not now, then when? And if not you, then who? Amen to that. Dr. Heather Tucker, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today, for sharing your stories, your experience, and your wisdom. I appreciate you so much.
appreciate you. Thank you so much too. My pleasure. And thank you all for watching. Thank you for being a part of the solution. Listen, if there's anything you can do that's easy, it's just have conversations with people about what you're thinking, what you're hearing, what you heard here today. The more dialogue we have, the more conversation we have, you know, that's one of my favorite words, the better we all are for it. So thank you all for watching. Thank you, Dr. Heather, for being here. Hope you all have a wonderful day. Appreciate you all. All right. Thank you. So hey, this live stream is welcome. over. Thank you. Okay. That was awesome. great. That was great. Oh my God. Your ending was perfect. Like you mic dropped it with the, if not you, <laughs> then who? So it was great. Thank you. That's my mom. That was my mom. She came with that. I'm, I'm a, um, a product of two PhDs and, um, and so, yeah, it's kind of yeah, pretty cool. Beautiful. All right. Let me let you go to work. It's 10 15. Thank you. Oh, right. I don't want to go. Thank you. I <laughs> know. Great conversation. Like I said, I always wanted to go 15, but we always go longer. So it's just so much, so rich. It was so, perfect. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah, Have I a fantastic it. I, day. I wanted to... You wanted what? Thank you. I just wanted to tell you that one of the other things that I thought about was because my name was Heather, like um, people would assume, oh, Heather's a white name. Right. So when I would apply for something and I go in there, the looks <laughs> yeah. would always be like, yeah. Yeah, that's a good one too. A good one too. Yeah. All right, Heather. I just want to say real quick, I appreciate you. I love you. Thank you for doing this because, you know, sister, you're doing the work. You're doing the beautiful work of us coming together and we need that more than ever now. So. Thanks. Thank Most days, it's my pleasure. <laughs> and you enjoy yourself. You have a great day too, okay? I will. Take care. Right. You too. Bye-bye.